Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. Hello. We honestly have no idea at this point where, where, where Jim, whoa, we honestly have no idea at this point where Jim or Hunter are. Uh, uh, you know, this is one of the things about doing it live. Sometimes... Some reason people they might don't join show. in late. We'll yeah, see. they might join in late. We don't know, but folks, we do have a guest joining us from the small seaside city of Pier- Piriapolis, Uruguay. Uruguay. Oh my god, I already already messed it up. Uruguay, 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 Uruguay. <laughs> you're a guy. Uh, <laughs> is for Fernando Ray, the developer of the Space 4X Astra Exodus. Welcome, Fernando. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Uh, I've I have to get this out of the way because I'm a huge ABBA fan. Do do people give you the ABBA joke every now and again? <laughs> Fernando, yeah, it's a common name here, so it's not like oh, it brings, uh, like yeah. Fernando is I think it's more rare up there up north, so I think the the ABBA connection is more common down here. It's like uh, no one cares. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, because whenever I hear that name, I just that's that's all I think of is that song. That is all I can think of. Is this. <laughs> yeah, obviously that's my song. That's uh, what I always say, but it doesn't come up uh, very often in conversation. Ah, oh, such a great! Did you hear they're going to be making more music? Side note: Did you hear Abba's making more? They're going to have a new album out like later this year, either this no, year or I next didn't year. Know yeah, wow. yeah, super excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my God. keep going, man. If you can sing, yeah, if you can do it, do it, man. I mean, now that they need the money, I think they're like, like all billion. Yeah, probably they they all have their own accident somewhere. <laughs> uh, uh, folks, I'm using a new pedal for push to talk this evening, and I'm still getting used to it, so I might cut out. Every now and again, I apologize. I'm still getting used to how to use it. Because um, the other one was dying. The other one, like... And when you have a cough, you really need a push-to-talk pedal. So we're here to talk about Astra Exodus, which, folks, if you're... <coughs> Damn it, there it goes. Uh, yeah, I'm still getting over a thing. And, you know, the cough is the thing that sticks the longest. Um, so we're here to talk about... Uh, Astra Exodus, which, folks, if you're not aware, is a Space 4X that came out, uh, was it last month? I think it was last month, right? It was late last month, I think. Yeah, was it like the 30th of January? Um, yeah, I think it was late last month. Uh, and I'm going to be honest, I was surprised about the rocky road it has had up until this point. Because... I, I I hope you don't mind talking about this, but you know, I think I think it might make for a good story because um things have improved since launch, but when it launched, there was a lot of negativity about it. Which I was uh, yeah. surprised by. Yeah, sadly, like uh an hour after the game launched, we already had some negative reviews. Um some of them uh, kind of made sense, but others were like they played uh, less than 30 minutes and complained that the game wasn't Solaris. So those kinds of reviews were <laughs> oh. like uh, demoralizing. Uh, 
to us. Uh, but yeah, ever since then, uh, the game has been uh, steadily improving. Um, we have released a lot of uh, you know updates. I've been working hard despite uh, being on vacations, <laughs> and uh, the game is uh, in a much better shape. And the reviews are uh, you know uh, reflecting that, and even some people are retracting their uh, negative reviews. So I think we have turned it around. But uh, at first glance, it was like uh, yeah, it, it, the, the the early reviews were quite. Uh, to us, to me especially, quite demoralizing. Yeah, and and that makes it's me angry. Negative. That makes me angry because Stellaris is nowhere near a shining beacon of awesome gameplay for this genre that some people think it is. It is. I'm gonna be honest, folks. I think it's one of the lesser games of the space 4x genre. I I don't think it's good at all. I think it's derivative of like I think. It feels to me like when they look, they made Stellaris, they looked at the list, distant worlds and go, let's do that, but not as good. Uh, <laughs> and then even with that, it's which version are you talking about? Because uh, you've uh, made so many iterations. Yeah, that's the Stellaris. main point. Stellaris oh, yeah. has been like four or five games already. It's, it changes. <laughs> like every six months, it's another game. Yeah. Now, I'll... I'll at least concede that it is better now than it used to be. But that is said, it? it's it's changed a lot. I mean, it's I think they're on the right track, but it's getting to be a while before they get there. Now, I am going to be honest. When I played Astra, I'm I'm going to be completely honest, and I hope that's okay. When I did play Astra Exodus, I didn't. I I must admit, I didn't love it because. Um, there were some, I had some quality of life issues with it, uh, which I know you can work on and you probably are, but I, well, the, the thing that can, the thing that concerns me about it and worries me about its longevity is it is, a, it might be a little too similar and, and I've only played it for maybe five or six hours, but it felt a lot like master of Orion too, maybe a little too much. So I was hoping you could correct me. Tell me how it's different than all these other... Because you have jumped into a very crowded pond (laughs) of Space 4X games. And And you really have to be different in order to stick out. So correct me. What is really different about Astro Exodus that I might have either missed or didn't pick up on? Okay, uh, basically, first of all, like many people like the game because it's very similar to Master of Orion. Okay, you know so, what? That's uh, that is very fair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but but it's a it's a good point you you br- you bring up. But uh, regardless of that, uh, people uh, uh, like it because it's similar to Master of Orion. Basically, when I started to think about this project, I tried to came up with all the things I love about. 90s 4x games right so mm. from Master of orion i took uh, like uh, the colony management okay and uh, basically uh fleets uh how they move and all that basically those two main systems are from Master of orion and then uh one thing i didn't want to do like Master of orion has uh you know tactical turn-based battles 
I wanted to keep the tactical aspect, but go real time because I really like, uh, you know, having the ability to play in real time. So uh, battles in Atraxus are in real time, full real time. So uh, I, mean, and I also wanted to uh, bring in some uh, RTS elements. So a Starship has uh, have abilities that you can fire um, uh, uh, abilities that are not uh, necessarily, uh, uh, they don't come from a special model, they are more general. For example, uh, uh, overloading weapons uh, where you sacrifice your shields and your engines for extra weapon power, uh, something that reminds me of the X-Wing uh, uh, series of, of flight simulators where you could switch out your your power supply uh, from your engines to your shields and all that. Um, so basically, uh, that that there is that difference. The the real time space battles you have it in in Master of Orion a very basic uh, ground combat, right? You you get uh, soldiers, marines, whatever, and you invade a planet. So I wanted to improve that. I mean, improve no, uh, like redo. Because in Astraxus, you have a tactical um, uh, initiative-based ground combat. So you have uh, several types of ground units. You have yeah, like infantry, tanks, uh, hover tanks, meds, uh, several types of strike craft. Um, uh, I'm talking about atmospheric craft, like airplanes. So uh, they fight in like uh, a grid, a hexagonal grid representing the planet. Mm. So you deploy your troops and the AI deploy, uh, deploy its troops and you fight. And basically the system is like, it's not real time, but it's kind of real time. You have an uh, initiative that decides when you can move and attack with your unit. It's like a tactical, um, it's like, uh, GRPG, where you have an, an initiative, uh, when that part fails, you can move your character, well, something like that. So basically, um, real-time space battles, and then ground combat, and then other research grid. Like, I, I, I didn't quite like the the research system that Master of Rare had, but uh, I really like its simplicity, and most of all, like, every touch was, uh, like, it had a meaningful choice. It, it, it was impactful. I feel like sometimes in Forex games or in strategy games, you have like a little uh, tons of choices, but they don't mean anything. Like you have several systems and systems and systems, and you make a lot of little choices, but they have uh, like a very small impact. So I wanted to uh, concentrate on that. And basically, uh, I decided to do a very big uh, research system where you have uh, several fields like in Master Foray, but with several levels and also with a uh, randomization. So basically, you have like um, 11 research fields, and each, each research field has seven levels, and each level has five tests. Uh, but thanks to randomization, you only get three of them. And uh, out of those three, you can only pick one. That's oh. something like. Uh, yeah, that's something like a muscle frame used to do that as well. Um, right. But to, uh, you know, to make the choice meaningful. And then I created a specialization system that's basically 
every time you research one level out of the nine first uh, uh, research fields, you get one uh, spe uh, specialization pick that lets you pick one page that makes uh, enables you to um, upgrade one uh, uh, one level of your engines, your armor, or whatever. And then you have a special touch that uh, whenever there is a galactic crisis and you are faced with that crisis, you get a special project that if you research it, you can avoid the negative effects of that crisis. So that's this, another I part. did like that very much. I have to admit, I did enjoy that. Okay, uh, yeah, basically, uh, uh, yeah, I just wanted to give the player a choice when faced with uh, something like that, because in many games you you get like uh, a random event that is negative and you cannot do anything while while it's going on. And it's like you are taking power away from the player. So by giving him or her that chance to research that, uh, you 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 uh, you give him a choice, uh, and that th that was something I really liked. And another thing that's very different uh, is the espionage system. Uh, here you have uh, agents or heroes that are agents that you can recruit and use to uh, carry out inter intelligence uh, operations. Um, they are based uh, somewhat on a classical game of the. Of the um, Star Wars Rebellion. I don't know if any of you guys uh, played that one. Oh, uh, hell yes. Hell yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Love yeah. that game. Love Star Wars Rebellion. Yeah, oh. up until this, this this day I play it. It's, it's a very good game. Uh, so you remember that you have like uh, uh, heroes that you could use to carry out uh, espionage uh, operations. So in Astraxus, it's something like that. You recruit agents that are your heroes, and you can use them to, uh, you know, destroy the enemy's fleets or uh, sabotage its installations or maybe even carry out a rebellion on one of their colonies. So the, the spinach system is, is based around that. Um, oh. Finally, um, I've been talking a lot about the differences between... Uh, finally, just to end... Uh, this first question is like uh, the campaign. Um, uh, Master of Orion doesn't have any sort of That's true. Single player campaign. That's true. And, uh, a bit, and the thing about the campaign is like it's not linear. It depends on your choices. So, for example, uh, well, the first uh, missions are like uh, tutorials. They are very easy. But uh, when you get going, you are faced with choices. And depending on your choices, uh, the story will change. And you will get different rewards. You will get different deaths that you can use later on the campaign and different heroes that can, uh, that can aid you uh, on the campaign. So uh, basically, the, those are, I think, the main differences um, uh, uh, between the games. But there are probably more. Uh, but that, that's it. <laughs> so it sounds like you've got a lot more replayability in the campaign specifically so that People will want to play through and see the different outcomes they would have if they made different choices. Yeah, basically that's what I wanted to, you know, um, uh, motivate the players to do. Uh, uh, hopefully, the the story and the and the, each mission is is challenging enough to to motivate them to to play to play the campaign more than one time and see all the different 
things that can happen depending on mm. their choices. They can, uh, you know, uh, maybe they are hasty and want to get rid of the pirates, but maybe if they follow a more diplomatic choice, they can find out that the pirates are not so bad. And there, there is uh, some uh, hopefully interesting uh, choices to be made there and interesting outcomes to to find out. Um, there is also uh, a system of uh, post-mission debriefings that also expand on the game depending on if you accomplish the optional objectives. So basically in each mission you have like one primary objective, a secondary objective and an optional objective. And if you do all objectives, you get rewarded with extra uh, lore uh, or backstory about uh, the universe that, that the, the, the game is, is, takes place in. It kind of sounds like a campaign for a real-time strategy game where you have, you know, primary and secondary objectives and units that carry over sometimes and stuff like that. Um, I only played like a few of the, for, for my review, I played a few of the campaign missions. Well, maybe two, because I think the second one kicked my butt and I lost. And then I tried the sandbox, which was definitely a more, more of a more traditional Master of Orion experience. So it sounds like you're kind of trying to hit uh, the candle at both ends. You're trying to give folks um, that Master of two, Orion 2 experience that they do want. Because let's be honest, that's what everyone's trying to do is give us a new Master of Orion 2. A lot of people are anyway. And but you're, also, but you're also trying to uh, make some tweaks like real-time combat and whatnot uh, to make it more your own. Uh, yeah, basically, you can say that um, uh, the, all the changes I made were uh, inspired by the games of the 90s. So even if um, uh, these things um, are new to the to the genre or different from Master of Orion, they, they are still based on my experience with Forex uh, games of, of, of that time period. Because mm. I really wanted the game to be like a love letter. So, for example, uh, a game I enjoyed a lot in the 90s was Pax Imperia 2. Ah, uh, it yes, had, of course. Yeah, eminent, the, the yeah, eminent was, domain, yeah, eminent domain, yes. Eminent domain, yeah, basically. Yeah, it, the AI was not very good and the diplomacy was quite, uh, you know, restricted, but it was fun and it's one of the games that inspired uh, Master Exus, as well as Master of Orion. Basica, uh, basically, uh, Master of Orion, Pax Imperia 2, and uh, Star Wars Rebellion were like the, the main games that inspire uh, Astra Exus. Nice. Yeah, we, we, a lot of us are big fans of the 90s around here. <laughs> there were uh, a lot of wonderful games in the 90s. <clears throat> so when did you start working on this thing? It's, it, it's been a while. I think I had first heard about it a long time ago. How long have you been working on this? Uh, I started on March 2016, uh, oh, but basically right. four years. That's pretty uh, good. Uh, yeah, um, uh, people have told me that uh, this kind of games uh, usually even take like up to seven or eight years for indies. So four is like a good number, I think. Um, but I had this idea for forever, right? So it's been in my mind since like 15 years or something like that. 
but yeah, I started on, on 2016 and it's been four years ever since. Oh, did you, because uh, Beta123, hello, by the way, I think you're, I think you're new. I don't recognize your name, so welcome if I haven't seen, if I haven't seen you before. Uh, Beta123 over on um, Twitch says Imperium Galactica 2 was his favorite, which is one of mine too. Did you play that one? Uh, you know, I cannot say I play that, that one. I, I'm ashamed to admit it. I played the, the first one, but I never played the sequel. Don't be, don't uh, be ashamed. Game. Don't be ashamed. There was a deluge of games back then. And it was, it was very difficult to keep up, especially since they weren't digital, you know, like you, you, so, uh, so yeah, you, yeah, uh, was, so go ahead. Sorry. It was very very difficult to get games, uh, especially here in Uruguay. So uh, it's not like I have many choices, but uh, it's, it's been a long time. I know that the game is over at Chiyoshi now, so I, I yeah. should pick it up. Yeah, it's it's got uh, it got updated by it got bought by um, God who the hell THQ Nordic, and they updated it for like modern Windows systems, so you can get it on Steam or GOG now, and it's really great. I mean, yeah, it's still got some quirks of its age, but it's it's a really great 4X game. Um, <clears throat> so, oh, God, stupid pedal. <laughs> I'm still getting used to this thing. Um, so, I want to talk about, because we, we talked a little bit about this. Your game started out on Steam at Mostly Negative, which is sad, but... It has now gone up to mixed, which is huge. That's like a lot of games don't get out of that that pit of negative reviews. So, uh, first, congratulations. That's really great. Uh, what do you think you did? Uh, if you could, if a developer runs into this, for example, if another developer runs into this kind of thing, what would you tell them to do? to dig yourself and your review numbers out of that hole? Well, basically, uh, you have to be open with the community and say, uh, own up to it and say, okay, uh, this is the problem. Um, Basically, you have to recognize that some people have expectations that you are never going to meet. Like, it doesn't matter my will, I cannot make the game like Stellaris or have it have like uh, AAA graphics on 3D and all that. Uh, basically, uh, I cannot do it because I don't have the budget, but uh, also it would be a, a different game than the one I, I, I wanted to make. So you have to recognize that. You have to recognize the, the faults in the game, like hey, the bugs. In, in my case, it had uh, like uh, one uh, pretty big uh, bug on release. So you have to okay. This is this is the status of the game. This is the bugs. This is what we can do to improve it. And okay, uh, the game will never be Solaris or whatever. We don't have the budget for big graphics. It's not our intention. So we I, I wrote uh, like a, a post, uh, being very forthcoming with the community, explaining the problems and the solutions that we were going to make. And uh, I worked very hard into. Uh, fixing the bugs and trying to, you know, uh, uh, 
uh, every person say, okay, uh, it would be cool if we, we had this, or if we had like auto saves, or if we had like uh, an option to um, uh, have hardware cursor or whatever. So I, I took note of everything the community was suggesting and what they wanted, and I just implemented it as quickly as possible and just um, kept uh, informing them of how the game was coming along. So I, I think basically if you are upfront and you are frank and, 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 and you work in your game, uh, the, there should be no problem into, uh, for turning around uh, any kind of negative uh, first reception. Um, um, maybe I'm being naive in this case, but uh, I just believe that if you are frank with people and you say, okay, this is my game, I want to make it as best as, as it can be. Uh, I know that we have a rough start, but uh, you know, uh, you know, guys, keep keep uh, keep up with me for a while, and we'll get there. And you show that you are taking steps to get there, then then you will get there. Um, but uh, you know, this is my first game. Um, I'm not a <laughs> like uh, a, a person with multiple launches or whatever. So maybe I'm. Um, talking nonsense but the, the, this is no. what I really <clears throat> no i don't think you're talking nonsense at all because you can see it in the review graph if you look at steam where like where at first it was like the negative reviews really outweighed the positives and then the positives start either outweighing or matching the negative and now it's just been since then all positive reviews um so You've you've definitely you you I mean what you say is definitely true. You got to be you know open and honest with your community, but like it's really great to see that turnaround. Because when I first saw the reviews coming out, I was like, oh no. Because one, I want every space game to succeed, you know, and, and there are like I said, so many four X games, and it's it's a very crowded field you've waded into. But still, you want them all to succeed regardless. Um, but also, I love Slytherin. You you got Slytherin as your as your publisher now, and I'm a I'm a massive fan of theirs. So I I want you to I want you and them to succeed. You know. So um, how'd that happen? By the way, how'd you get how how'd you fall under their umbrella? Uh, basically, at first I was kind of against uh, going after a publisher. Uh, but after talking with some friends here in the industry in Uruguay, they kind of they suggested that I should do so. I should pursue a publisher. Um, at first, some of them approached me, and we were like exchanging mails with another publisher, and uh, that kind of fell through. Uh, and then I started uh, going around and asking, and basically, I pitched the game to them. I talked with the with the head of the studio, uh, the publisher there, and yeah, basically they 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 saw the game, they saw the potential, and they asked me to come on board. Um, the game already was on Steam uh, by that point, uh, so everything was set up. Um, the transition was uh, quite smooth. Um, like that was on uh, July last year. 
So, and the game has been on Steam since uh, November two, uh, 2018. Oh, it's been on Steam that long. I didn't even know that. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. <laughs> it's so easy to miss stuff on Steam. And I even, I don't know about you, but I, I look through the new Steam lists every day. I follow, there's a Twitter account called Steam Releases that I religiously follow. And even then, it's near impossible to keep up with everything. So I must have, must have missed that. I apologize. <laughs> ah, no problem. No problem. Uh, you should know because you are called the space game chunky. But <laughs> yeah, but that, even okay. even stuff falls through my fingers. Like I'm glad we have this community on Discord because sometimes I'll miss something and someone else will post something in the new game channel. I'm like, oh my god, how did I miss that? Yeah, but. It's impossible not to meet things. It's like every day, one thousand games get released oh on Steam. God, it's, it's not humanly possible. Yeah, it's insane. it's insane. I mean, I mean, there's yeah. no. I mean, it in a way for us gamers. I, I've said this before. In a way for us gamers, it's a wonderful time to be alive because there are so many good games coming out. I mean, there are so many games coming out, but a lot of them are good. Sure, there's a lot of crap. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shovelware and asset flips, but there's a lot of good stuff. But I can only imagine it's terrifying as a developer. You know to Yeah, I, basically you are one candlelight among 3000 and you have <laughs> a, like a really strong win and you are like trying to keep your flame alive and it's very hard to uh, get discovered or uh, if you can make the greatest game ever, but if no one finds it out or no one knows it exists, you are not going to get anywhere. So it's it's very terrifying to you know uh, dive deep there, especially if you like. Uh, it's not my case, right? But from a developer point of view, if you took time away off uh, from your work and you are putting your life savings on you have this project and it's like your passion and you are wholly devoted to it and, and you make like a, a good game at least and it doesn't do well it, it can crush you uh, it's, it, maybe you did everything right the game is okay it doesn't have bugs it's fun uh, but it doesn't get discovered or whatever or you don't get the exposure that that you needed and and basically you are gone because after a couple of weeks or one month uh, people will forget it it ever existed or whatever so uh, in, in my case it's like uh, I, I i didn't leave my day shop so i still have that but uh, i I can totally see like developers uh, trying to jump in uh, the pool, like and it, it, it can be very terrifying. Yeah, we 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 we've talked to develop both types. We've talked to developers like yourself who still have a day job um, and do this part time, and we've talked to others who have totally um, dived, dove in, divin, dived in, dived in head first uh, to do this full time, and that sounds a lot more terrifying. Like a lot more terrifying <laughs> when, when everything is tied up in that one thing. Um, what do you What do you do uh, for your your day job, if I may ask? Uh, it's very boring. I basically uh, uh, develop uh, document management systems for uh, the local government of uh, Montevideo and 
Uruguay, and I also do uh, some work for information, uh, geographical information systems as well. So basically, uh, boring office stuff. I just uh, coding have a. It's just not very exciting. <laughs> you know what? That's fine. If if as long as you don't hate it, that's that could be okay. Like, I mean, having uh, a jo- having a job is not the easiest thing, especially if you dislike it. You know. But yeah, it- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, in my case, uh, I like it. I like it especially be- because of the people uh, that I work with. They're very cool. So I, I don't have any problems with uh, continuing working there. But uh, obviously, I have that dream of going full time because if I could uh, sure. work full time, I, 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 I could, you know, output a lot more in, in terms oh. of, of games. I'm I'm with you, man. I'm trying to do this full time, and it is it is a it is a struggle. It is a real struggle. Now you said you talked to other uh, game developers down there in Ur- Ur- Uruguay. Uh, I think you might be the first developer we have talked to from uh, Uruguay. So, is there a big game development community down there? Like there, have there been some other games I might have heard of that have been developed down there? Uh, there is one pretty big company here, but it it uh, creates games for mobile devices mostly. It's called Iron High Studios. Uh, they are the guys behind uh, Iron Marines and uh, what was the, the name of the other game? Uh, Kingdom Rush. It's like uh, oh wow, oh wow, <laughs> those are biggies. I've seen Iron Marines on Steam. Uh, I think. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is also on there, yeah. They are both on the same. Uh, yeah, the, those guys are from, are from here. Oh, that's great. That's great because yeah, when when you're American, you kind of get a kind of um, a bubble, like a bot. You you feel like you're in a bottle. It's like there are other countries. It's, like, it's stupid. It's so stupid. But like, <laughs> but like. Yeah, sometimes you gotta remember there are other countries and they make games too. Uh, <laughs> um, oh yeah, I've heard of this kingdom. Wow, look at that, Ironhide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, those guys are like the most famous. Uh, there are other companies here, smaller ones. Uh, there was a powerful robot that uh, created a lot of games for uh, Cartoon Network at the time, like they made the. Uh, Star Wars, Clone Wars uh, games uh, for boys and, and web, and there are other smaller companies as well. But that's like the biggest. Uh, there, there should be like something like twelve or between twelve to fifteen companies that work creating games, uh, but none of them is bigger like uh, fifty people or something like that. That's still not bad. I mean, if you can yeah. make a company that makes games, you know, that's still pretty damn good. So Yeah, that's like a dream. So a Forex game, Forex game is a... Ch- I can't imagine making a Forex game because there's so many moving parts. There are so many... I mean, you have diplomacy, you have research, you have ship movement, you have exploration and all this stuff. What would you say... Is you found the most challenging thing about developing a 4X game? Uh, basically, the artificial intelligence. I, I think that's the most challenging 
Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. No. Let me. Let me. Because I've run into so many 4X games where the AI is like, "We want war." Two turns later, we want peace. Two turns later, we want war. It's like, oh my God, really, really, guys, really, come on. (laughs) Pick a diplomatic stance, please. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, no, I hear you. AI is, I mean, AI is tricky in any game, but it seems like a lot of 4X games stumble on AI. So, I hear you there. Yeah, because basically you can, it's a difficult subject in any game, like you say. Like, it's a very complex thing to, to achieve correctly. In a 4X, you have tons of systems is even more complicated but regardless of that you also have to take into account that you want a fun ai you don't want to make an ai that is like it plays too good but uh, you, you know what i say what i mean like yeah it should play right. like a human it should yeah make- it shouldn't have perfect information and be able to outwit you at every turn because it knows what you're going to do for that turn exactly so uh, to me, that was the most difficult thing to have the AI, uh, you know, not behave like a human because that's beyond my reach, but uh, make it uh, have like a false, ha- have it fail at something. So each uh, race or each faction has uh, has something that's not very good at, and it, it shows when it's playing. Uh, and I'm not talking about traits. I'm talking about the AI and what the decisions it makes. To have like uh, in the game is like an agenda and a focus. Like if this military is, if it uh, focuses on on ecology or whatever. But to to have something that makes it, uh, makes it uh, make choices that are not the best choice. Uh, I don't know if if uh, I'm explaining myself, but uh, no, no, it makes total sense. So if it has three options, it will choose a suboptimal one. Yeah, exactly. It's just because it has biases. Like humans have biases. We don't make the most rational choice every time. And so basically, I wanted the AI to have biases. So it, it, even if it knows what the optimal choice is, because I can just program it, uh, it, it doesn't pick that one. It picks another one. I like the sound of that because if the AI seems more human and they make mistakes uh, and they don't make the best decisions, uh, especially if it's on a per faction, like Beta just said, a per faction level, that makes the game much more fun and flavorful than if like you can like you play enough civilization, for example, it's like, okay. They're going to do this and they're going to do this because that's what they always do because it's the AI and it's not that great and it doesn't put up a challenge and it's not that bright. And it's it's tough to find a a fun AI. It doesn't even have to be a good AI, just a fun AI that makes the game fun to play against it. You know? Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree totally. And <clears throat> um, even I, I created like um, a semi randomized thing. So uh, the AI will always have a bias, but that bias might change from game to game. So you have a 60% chance of bias A 
and you have a 20% chance of bias B and a 20% chance of bias C. So uh, basically that faction at a startup will randomize the bias and uh, then the rest of the game will, will proceed with that bias. So uh, if you play a lot of times against a faction, you, you might guess how they fail, what, what their bias is, but sometimes the game will surprise you with, with another uh, fall or another strategy that, that the AI will pursue uh, another bias. So that adds even more replayability to the sandbox mode. But do they? Does that also true the campaign as well? Like if you play the campaign mission, will the might the AI do a little different than the last time? Uh, yeah, the the factions that are the same uh, between the sandbox and the campaign will have that difference. Yeah, and even each mission is different because uh, uh, the map is generated each time you start the the campaign mission. So the the, the oh. will be different. And the uh, factions that are the same between sandbox and campaign will also have different biases. Oh, okay. That that's great. That means I'm gonna have to restart a campaign game because yeah, it, it kicked my butt in the second mission. <laughs> I was like, ah, yeah. wow. Okay. Maybe maybe try it out in a easier difficulty. Yeah, I will do that too. Uh, because I'm, I am, I will admit, um, I'm not the best at 4X games. I love them. I love them to death. But I'm, I'm, I love the first X exploration. That's my favorite X. And and your game does a fine job with that. Does an absolutely fine job with that. Um, it's the other X's I start like not doing so great because I never build enough ships for the extermination. <laughs> And I'm always trying to be nice to everyone, so I never really exploit everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you come across any uh, anyone that likes to likes guns, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, how many? Uh, remind me, how many factions does the game um, ship with at this point? Uh, yeah, in the sandbox you have eight factions, and then on the campaign you have extra factions uh you have uh, something like uh, uh five different more factions on the campaign but basically oh, wow. you cannot play as them so it's like you will face against other factions but you can play only as uh, nine, nine factions the, the the ltf in the campaign and the eight uh, traditional uh factions in the sandbox Ah, so there's there's another reason to play the campaign over because some I mean some folks don't want a campaign. Some people, I mean, I'm glad you have the option for either one. You have the more traditional like just sandbox game, but like you get more toys if you play the campaign, which is nice. You know that 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 is that is nice. Are you planning on adding yeah. more, maybe as DLC or anything like that? Like, are there any more planned at the moment? Uh yeah. Uh, basically, it depends on how the game will, will do. But uh, yeah, I would I would like to finish up the story uh, uh, with with additional DLCs or fresh flesh it out with additional DLCs um, uh, that carry out the the choices you made on the first campaign uh, 
you know, impacting the, the, the story in a meaningful way. Uh, yeah, I would love to, to add more, more campaign missions or, or a, a new campaign, so to speak. Uh, we'll see. Well, I hope so because you know there, there's a definitely a lot of potential here. Like I said, like I said, it didn't slap me in the face, but you know maybe um, it's weird. Like I love games from the '90s too, but at the same time, like part of me doesn't want to go back there. You know what I mean? Because have you have you gone back to play some games from the '90s lately? Some of them don't age well. Like most of the Wing Commander series does not age well <laughs> at all. They're they're overtly grindy and difficult and the like the stories are great, but the missions are just boring for the most part. And and you you play something like Privateer, it's like, oh god, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, I think we remember them to be uh, better than they actually are. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I agree. Like I, I mean, e- even games like from twenty years ago, like two thousand. Like I was playing a first-person shooter that was from like ninety-nine or two thousand, and like it was all about the numeric keypad, and and everything was over there. I'm like, God, what were we doing back then? <laughs> Oh dear lord! Uh, I must admit that I still play Duke Nukem, uh, Duke, Nuk- Duke Nukem 3D. So I, oh. I, I cannot agree with you there. I, I love that game. I, well, I can't. Some games they're very much a product of their time, and and yeah. playing them now they seem very not just dated, but the mechanics have evolved so much from that era that they are. It's hard to go back. Sometimes it's hard to go back. Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah, it depends on the game. I mean, yeah, a lot of games back then they were developed for just one button mice because a lot of games only used a a mouse with one button, uh, and other ones you see so many mice now that have left click, right click, middle click, and then nine buttons for your thumb. <laughs> It's so much more functionality than we had before. Yeah, it's like the mouse wheel didn't exist back then, so they didn't even use it. Oh, God, that that might be one of the most frustrating things to play, because I play older games for streams and whatnot, and if I'm playing a game that has, like, a scrolly bit and it doesn't use the mouse wheel, oh, my God, I want to shoot something. <laughs> <laughs> like, didn't they have mouse mice wheels back in the 90s? Maybe they didn't. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I don't think they did. How did we live? <laughs> <laughs> without cell phones and without scroll wheels. I don't know. I don't know, man. God, I, I mean, yeah. But if, if you're going to take inspiration from any gaming area, the era of the 90s are probably the best. Because, I mean, a lot of people are, like I said, still trying to copy Master of Orion 2. But there is a reason for that. You know, it it hit all the right notes, you know, and and so that's why a lot of games still try and copy that formula, and it's yeah, I I, I think no game will ever make it. It's like uh, 
uh, utopic goal. It's like the holy grail. It's like is it's a goal that will never be met. I mean, maybe I will be proven wrong. Maybe uh, Astraxus will, <laughs> but I don't think any game will take the title away from from uh, Motu, like Motu. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting that even the people who made Mu Two couldn't top their own game because then you had Mu Three, which I never played. But yes, <laughs> that is the response one usually gets <laughs> when one mentions Mu Three. It's like so, it's like someone punched them in the stomach, like oh, oh, basically, oh no, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Oh uh, man! Yeah, basically, Mu uh, Mu uh, is the reason why Astra actually exists. Because uh, back then, I remember like the summer of two thousand four, something like that. I played that game, and like you say, it was like a kick to the gut, and it, it's like, why? <laughs> How? I what? I hear it. I hear it's good with some mods, but like. I don't know. Like I, I've never played it because the reviews when it came out were just so, so bad. And and the, like it took a lot to get all of the magazines. Remember magazines? It took a lot to get like all of the magazines to agree on on the opinion of a game. Like and and it was either all it was either like mixed or all good or all bad. And like I. Like all the reviews in every magazine I read for Mu Three at the time was just, just so horrible. And yeah. it, maybe we should do a podcast about Mu Three. Like finally, just dive in. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got to cover the good and the bad of the genre, and there's a decent amount of bad in the genre. You know, yeah, there are a lot of stories like that. I. I I don't think uh, Master of Orion 3 is even the worst one. But, but you know, the funny thing I read about it is like Mo, Mo 3 was one of the first games that was done in collaboration with the community. So there was a... Form, oh, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that'll learn, that'll learn you. That'll learn you. Stick to your vision. Don't let the community dictate everything. <laughs> Gee, oh, no. Oh, yeah, that's... That was very strange to find out. Like they, they had community managers, they had a forum, and everyone was pitching ideas, and they really wanted to uh, make the game like uh, the people in the forum wanted, but it obviously it didn't work out. Since we're waxing and waning about the 90s, I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think is the best space game of the 90s? Wow. Uh, a space game in like any genre, any uh, any genre. It could be it could be a fighter game. It could be a strategy game. Uh, if if you if you want to narrow it down to one genre, we can do that too. But you you got me you got me you got me you got me nostalgic for the '90s. So I got to ask this question. Yeah, it's my fault. You know, I have to like this is like not a a personal best, but if I had to pick a game like uh, from a cultural like uh, impact it would have to be starcraft uh oh. because you know 
Starcraft came out in 97, 96, I think. And yeah. it's a game like we are still talking about it, even the, the, the original one, because there was a remaster like uh, two years ago in 2018, I think. And, and, and you, ha you have StarCraft 2, and you have the whole esports movement that came about from StarCraft, basically. So I, I, from the 90s, a space game, if, if we wanted to measure it in like cultural impact or whatever, I, I, I really think that it should be StarCraft. God, I... I sh crap. <laughs> that that might be the perfect answer. I mean, Spaz, do you have one in terms? Let's let's stick with this cultural uh, cultural effect thing um, aspect. Do you can you think of a game that might have had a bigger impact than StarCraft? Because I don't know if I, don't I can. Think so. I don't know if no, I can. I don't think so because because you're right. It's the the esports movement got really big because of games like it uh the rts genre had as a result of warcraft and starcraft a huge uh surge of popularity and they're still popular now yeah i, I can't think of one that has had a greater overall impact that is still rippling through the industry now I'm trying to think of another one, but I I think you, no. I think okay. Now now that we've gone like the most influential, let's talk about your personal. What would your personal best game of the '90s be? Uh, space game. Yes. Yes. Yeah, space game. Uh, I think it should be Master of Rayon Two. Good pick. Uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with that pick. I cannot go wrong with that, pick. With that pick. Yeah, maybe it's, it's on my mind because we are talking a lot about that. Sure, but, but I mean, it's on a lot of people's mind. It still gets played. I mean, it still gets played regularly, and there's a reason that a lot of games, yours and many others, try to copy that formula. I mean, there were other Space 4X games in the 90s. Like, there was... Or other space strategy games in the 90s. There was Rebellion, like you said. Where are all the Rebellion clones? What? There aren't any. <laughs> really? <laughs> Sadly, because Rebellion is freaking great. Uh, yeah. Where are the... Oh, God. Um, where are the Imperium Galactica clones? There aren't any, because Imperium Galactica was very different, and um, and and... It spawned a sequel, but the sequel was a little more Master of Variety, a little bit. Um, uh, not too there was much. Birth of the Federation. Birth of the yeah. Federation. Yes, yes. Yeah, while while the the thing I loved most about that game was its its tactical combat because it was turn based with that we go kind of system. You plot out what you wanted to do with your ships, and you see how the turn played out based on what the other side did. And that was great. Nobody's really done a sequel using that kind of system since that I know of. Yeah, not really. Uh, no. Uh, Galactic Space Battles doesn't work something like that, that you pick out the... Mm. Well, you do, but but 
with the birth of the Federation, it was turn by turn. So you didn't oh, yeah. just simply um, program the AI, so to speak, of what their priorities would be uh, for each ship or each class of ship. But you could select a group of ships from, say, you could select all your frigates and tell them you're going to uh, bank right and then joust. That would be your move in for that group. Or you could tell your cruisers you're going to give fire support, that sort of thing. And then each group would play out your orders in turn, and maybe it worked out or maybe it didn't based on what the other side did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the main difference is like the turn-based system. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, speaking of the combat... Yeah. Go, oh, sorry, go ahead, Spaz. Finish your thought. Yeah, I was just going to say, the, 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 only, the only drawback to that system is it would, it would be terrible in large-scale combat because it didn't scale very well. You'd have just a blob on one side and a blob on the other, and, and essentially you'd give the order, everybody attack, <laughs> and that's all you could really do because the system would yeah. chug. It would just chug from all of the, the stuff trying to be plotted, so you couldn't really handle maneuvers. Yeah. No, it, whenever you, tips, you could ram. <laughs> that's one thing you could uh, do. Whenever you increase the scale... Uh, the management of the battle always becomes more, much more difficult, because and in, in that sense you lose the tactical aspect because it all ends up like blobs shooting at blobs or crashing, like you say. So uh, in Astraxes, one thing we implemented to avoid that is a time management system. So basically, you can stop the action whenever you want, pressing the spacebar. You can even uh, have the battle be all in slow motion or speed it up. So I, I, I think when you, when you are dealing with real-time or initiative-based or something system like that, um, to improve the management of the battle, uh, you need a time dilation system. Like, because otherwise it becomes uh, unmanageable. Like No human can, uh, you know, play a, a battle tactically if it isn't thanks to a system like that. That's fair. Yeah, I was going to say, I've, I've only done, I only did a few battles in Astraxis, but I did like the real-time combat. It did feel more like a proper real-time strategy game. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not always a fan of mixing tactical combat in a 4X game, um, but it was pretty... Straight, it was pretty straightforward here, which I liked. I mean, I I see I seem to enjoy more if the forex combat happens on the same map as the rest of the game. You know what I mean? Like uh, like that's what Civilization does basically. So I I prefer that method, but um, I did enjoy the real time tactical combat in Astra Exodus. I have to admit. Uh, there is a okay. Uh, uh, thanks. Uh, there is a mod uh, for Civilization 4 that is called Final Frontier that's basically saved in space. And it's somewhat based on Master Orion. And uh, you have like uh, exactly what you want. You colonize planets and you fight in the same, in the same star map. Uh, basically, it's Civilization in, in space. Maybe, maybe 
you like to try it out? I don't know. Well, <laughs> Just, uh, going back even further, the gold edition of Civilization Two came with a scenario slash mod called Master of Orion Junior, which oh, was that. yes, it was basically Civilization Two, but uh, in space with planets and stuff. It was kind of clunky. Because it was what nineteen ninety six, but it was actually it was actually pretty fun, and I think um, there's another there's an offshoot of Civilization called uh, Test of Time, Test of Time. Oh yeah, I with, that. yes, and that also includes, I believe, a spacey scenario. I got it for the Viking scenario, which is really good. The, the Ragnarok oh, yeah. scenario? Yeah. It's so good. It's like one of the best things I've played. I'm not even kidding. It's like one of the best, like, weird fantasy 4X things I've ever played. And it's a it's a scenario for a Civilization 2 offshoot that you can't get digitally <laughs> anywhere. I had to track down a disc for that one, which I have somewhere yeah. right here. <laughs> Uh, come on, that game should be in GOG. What's oh the, my God! I don't, I don't, I don't understand what's going on with, especially Activision, as to why so many of their games just aren't available digitally. Like they have so many of the Star Trek games, yeah, you know, and Federation, for example. Yeah, and not available digitally, uh, like. Like the Elite Force games I just streamed recently, you can't get them anywhere digitally. Uh, now, the upside is you can't get games like, I think we were talking about this today, New Worlds uh, digitally, which is a which is a real blessing uh, <laughs> for a lot of people. If, if you're not familiar with Star Trek New Worlds, it was a Star Trek RTS, but focused on ground combat. And it's because Activision at the time did not have the licensing to use most of the ships. So they had no licensing for Next Generation. So they said it in uh, the original series era. The movie era. The movie, yeah, the movie era. And and because they didn't have the licensing for most of the ships, you would see (laughs) a few of the movie ships, like the Bird of Prey or the uh, Constitution class uh, Enterprise, but you would see them land down on the planet, drop off troops or or um, vehicles, and then maybe do a bombing run, that sort of thing. But it was all ground combat focused, so they had to create all these new assets for it because they had no licensing for anything else, and it was a terrible game. Yeah, like uh, whoever thought about that. I mean, the, the IP is called Star Trek. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you cannot do a, a ground game about that. The, the only uh, positive side, like, okay, you got a lot of people thinking about making Star Trek vehicles in the ground. That maybe that you know uh, enlarged the Wikipedia about Star Trek. But, but I don't know who 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 uh, thought that that game was a good idea. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, you it, have. It was an okay game in in some aspects but it mostly failed. <laughs> and it, it's so weird because it's so weird, the whole licensing thing, because like with birth of the Federation, you would play like the earliest days 
of the Federation or the Klingon Empire, but it all used next generation imagery because that's all they had access to. So, so it's just, just so it's, that is a weird thing about, about gaming is licensing. Like that's why we, like we're saying, we don't, we don't see a lot of games on GOG. Um, because of freaking licensing. Um, you know, like there are a lot of space games that still aren't on GOG that I don't understand. Like Civilization 2, Best of Time, for example. Like, what's going on there? <laughs> Sorry, I'm rambling. We should probably start yeah, wrapping I mean, it up because I'm getting rambly. Licensing. Yeah, we should yeah. probably start wrapping it up because I'm getting rambly. Um, it's been over an hour. That's pretty good, right? Um, yeah, we usually try and go for at least an hour. Um, so folks, the game is Astra Exodus. It is on Steam currently. If you can get to Steam currently, I can't. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I can't. I can't. Yeah, it's down. It's up. It's down. It's one. One. It's Tuesday. They do all their weird back end crap on Tuesday, but still, there seem to be other internet issues like. Like a pe- like two of the reasons their other co-host didn't show up is because they were having internet issues. I don't know if it's a North Carolina Dis- thing. Yeah, they were having Discord issues. Um, like they were having real difficulty connecting to Discord for some reason. So I'm not sure what's going on with that. Um, That's weird. But uh, so but yeah, the game is Astra Exodus. It is on Steam. It is not an early access. It is a full 1.0 thing. You can see video of it on the spacegamejunkie.com YouTube channel. Um, and uh, the game is still... Don't let the don't let the reviews fool, fool you. It is, especially if you like Master of Orion 2, it is a good game. It is a very good game. And as you heard, uh, the developer here is dedicated to making it better. Uh, so... So definitely check it out. It is definitely worth your time if you like Space 4X games, especially if you like 90s Space 4X games, which is this game's primary inspiration. Uh, So just a couple of programming notes before we wrap up. Next week's podcast is at a slightly different time because our guest requested it. So we're starting two hours later uh, than our usual. We're going to be starting at 6 p.m. Pacific time. But it's because we're bringing back our now uh, record holder for most times on the show, the developer of uh, Void Destroyer 2, Paul, I can't say his last name. Uh, It is a crazy last name. It's got a lot of Z's in it. I don't want to butcher it right now. But we are having him back for his fifth time next week on the show. So that, as far as I know, is our most numerous guest uh, at this point, I think there might be one that's fo- that's close. Maybe the guys from um, who did the Sword in the Stars games. I think they've been on three or four times. Um, yeah, they, I think they've been on three or four times at this point. Because I think we talked about Sword of the Stars, and then we talked about Homeward Cataclysm, and then we talked about uh, their Treasure Planet game, I think. So... Yeah, I think they've been on three or four times. So they're they're up there. But I'm pretty sure... Uh, you know, AC Wraith, he's on like once every two years. And here, I don't... I don't even...
But anyway, I'll put I'll put it in the Steam chat because I wrote it out before, but it's like Zixelplex. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he's going to give me such crap next week. Um, so that's going to be next week. And tomorrow for our morning stream, we are returning to Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle Earth 1. Uh, we are still in the midst of the good campaign. Uh, hopefully we can get out of the elf scenario we're currently stuck in. So that'll be tomorrow. Um, and uh, yeah, if you haven't seen Void Destroyer 2, by the way, we're there. that's currently the game of the week on the, on the site, on the YouTube channel. So go check that out. Uh, and finally, I... Brian, your mic cut out there. It did. Oh, God, this pedal. I thought I was pushing it down. So, sorry. Beta123, stop lurking and start talking. Uh, Sajak, thank <laughs> thank you for the follow. Uh, and I think we had another follow on Twitch. I can't remember the name right now, but thank you for that. Uh, we are trying to make Space Game Junkie a full-time endeavor. Did the audio cut out all the way or just me? Okay. Um uh, so if you can help out with that, please go to spacegamejunkie.com slash support where you'll find links to our merch shop, Patreon, all that stuff. But if you can't help in that way, just like, subscribe, tell your friends, do all that stuff. Because if I could do this full time, I could make even more content for all you guys. There's so many games to cover, not just space games, but games. in ge- There's so many games to cover, uh, old and new. So, uh... It's just an exciting time to try and be a streamer. It's an exciting time to be a gamer. So I want to thank all our patrons for helping out with that. And uh, if you want to become a patron, please do check that out. Uh, Fernando, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your holiday to to join us uh, tonight. It's been it's been great talking about you and reminiscing about the about your game and reminiscing about the nineties. Um, hey. Uh, no problem, Brian. I had a blast uh, ruminating with you about the 90s. So anytime, uh, I am here. All right. And good luck. Uh, good luck pounding out more stuff for Astra Exodus. It deserves it. It needs. It definitely needs more love from you and from more new fans. So again, folks, check it out. Astra Exodus on Steam. With that, we'll bid you a good night. And we'll see you back here tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time for Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle-Earth. Have a great night, everyone. Bye-bye.